It's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family, or simply want confirmation that you are not alone in your experience, wherever you are on the path of healing and pushing through a trauma. Wouldn't it be empowering to have many of your burning questions answered here? This bonus episode is the conclusion of Family Reunion. If you haven't had an opportunity to listen to last season's bonus episode of Family Reunion Part 1, now would be a great time. Feel free to listen again before diving into this one. Revisiting the memories of my time spent with maternal biological family members in Myrtle Beach at a reunion event was almost as joyful as being there with them during the summer of last year. It was the first time I met my birth mother's first cousins in person. I hope you enjoy my account of that experience, and thank you so much for being here. My maternal grandmother, Ruby Smash, is from Louisiana, an hour or so from New Orleans. Now I had a better idea of why she was known for being a skilled preparer of delicious meals and sweets, and where my love for okra comes from. Cousin Juanita told me that it has always been an important addition to many delightful dishes enjoyed by the family. Let's get back to Friday, June 24th, 2022. The first event scheduled with Ruby's nieces and nephews. I saw cousin Juanita first and introduced her to my handsome companion. She in turn proceeded to take me to her brothers one by one to meet them and their spouses. In my head, she took me by the hand. A big smile from everyone met mine. Will I remember all of their names? Or what if I say John instead of James to James? Will they think less of me for making mistakes? My partner proved to be a big help with reminding me who's who. Upon learning a name, he immediately associates it with a celebrity. Try it, it works. I still began to be a bit overwhelmed by whether my recall would allow my family to know how important they already were to me, though we knew very little about each other. After about 20 minutes of hearing, and this is, and his wife is, and me saying, nice to meet you, glad to finally see you, I'm happy to be here, so glad you came. I made my way through the introductions and felt the need to say, I'll be right back, as I wanted to explore this fun house. My partner and I found a ping pong table on the other side of the bowling area where my DNA family were now congregating together. I didn't know it at the time, but I already needed a break from being overstimulated less than an hour into meeting everyone. Not in a bad way. But I know when I'm approaching a need for a time out from having so many emotions. I was feeling giddy, energized, 
cheerful, and playful. I know our group was there to throw balls down long lanes, but would they mind too much if I ducked out on them to engage in a couple of games of table tennis? Surely they won't mind. Besides, we have an entire weekend to get better acquainted and make some memories. I love ping pong. I grabbed a couple of paddles and a white ball while my loving companion carried two beers from the bar towards me. I wondered if my birth family drank beer. And if not, would they mind if I do? Thoughts of what they thought of me relentlessly rushed to flood my mind as I fantasized about acceptance of me by them. I smiled at my companion and he returned one back at me to suggest that he enjoyed the time with just us two hitting the small ball back and forth across the table as much as I did. He said he won the hour of playing table tennis. I still think I was the winner, but it doesn't matter. We joined my family once again to find them enjoying their games. I love knocking down 10 pins and wish that I had remained with them. Yet, I knew I needed a time to breathe in this experience of meeting them for the first time. Sometimes you don't know what you need until you get it, like a comfort break to relieve your bladder. My birth mother, Wanda, knew them in ways I probably never will. I wish she were here to navigate this journey with me. She would likely be the one to take me by the hand and introduce everyone to me one by one, just as Juanita had done. In my mind's eye, I can see her all smiles and proud of letting them know that I was her one and only daughter that she didn't get to raise. I was her parents' first grandchild. It was me that she likely grieved her whole life for having to give me to complete strangers. I've heard that Wanda had the most infectious laugh, and I can hear it mixed with her sobs in my dreams. Wanda died in 1996 after suffering with an illness for two years. But during this reunion, she was there in spirit. I felt her presence. Ruby was there too, though she preceded Wanda in death. They both, from the spirit world, were over the moon that I decided to be at this reunion. My companion and I said our goodbyes to my family at the game room around 9 p.m. They seemed to totally understand us leaving before them and looked forward to seeing us bright and early on the following day. I wondered if they judged me negatively for leaving out before them or earlier when I decided not to bowl with the group. There was that doubt of being accepted by them creeping back in my head. Was I measuring up in their eyes? What did they really think about me? You only have one time to make a good first impression, right? Did I do that? Or did I somehow screw up by staying true to my authentic self? I replaced my fearful and anxious thoughts with the fact that we had driven hours from Tennessee to South Carolina with only stopping to use a restroom and fill the tank with gas. We were ready to get much-needed rest, except we didn't do that. Instead of going straight to bed, we unpacked the last two hours about people who were a part of my tribe who I didn't know. We returned to our lovely balcony and began recalling who was who 
by describing their appearance and something said or done. It turns out that my partner was better at recalling names at times than me. I studied a photo I took of me sandwiched between Wanda's first cousin and his nephew. I imagined cousins swapping stories about once upon a time in both Chicago and Louisiana. Only if Wanda had been there in the flesh, she would have likely been the loudest of the three of them as I looked on and learned more about everybody. The night air made me appreciate this part of the country and being there for a meaningful occasion. We reflected on the nonstop ride on the interstate with beautiful weather the entire time as we did our people watching of those walking along the magnificent Atlantic Ocean. There was a guy who allowed his dog to poop in the sand who happened to hear my companion say, You're not going to pick that up? The guy looked up in our direction to the fourth story where we were sitting and suddenly took action to retrieve his dog's business. We chuckled at how voices travel and what else had passerbyers heard us say. Day two in Myrtle Beach didn't disappoint. It started with a beautiful sunrise that was enjoyable with sand between my toes on the beach. Only a few people were up as early as 6 a.m. and I appreciated the peacefulness of it all. As the hour-long walk came to an end, we began to observe more people place their chairs and umbrellas near the ocean for the day. We exchanged good morning with those approaching us from all directions before returning to the room to get ready for the outing at the amusement park. Upon arriving, we first saw Juanita's nephew and his wife. She and I have a mutual Facebook friend, so that made for an easy icebreaker. Her husband would be considered my second cousin. I already felt like calling him cuz, C-U-Z, because I found him to be jovial, entertaining, and interested in getting to know me and my partner. He was in that photo I studied the night before with me between him and his uncle. I'm certain he's the one relative who is more the life of the party than anyone else. Wanda would have surely given him a run for his money if he had ever tried to take that position from her. As other family members made their way to the park, I heard Wanda in my ear. Go on now, don't be shy. I'm not shy, I said to myself. Okay, then stop acting like you are and step up. Talk with my cousins so they can get to know you. I want them to know my daughter. Some family congregated by a bench under an umbrella as the temperature warmed up to nearly 90 degrees with a bright sunny blue sky above us. It was during this time as I stood here, there, and everywhere to take photos with family members when I noticed cousins focused on my face. They held their gaze on me as though they were looking for something. She looks like Wanda, a cousin blurted. Then another said, no, I see Ruby, her grandmother. Were they studying me like I was doing them? In that moment, I felt the mirroring that adoptees long for, being longed for by them too. I hadn't experienced anything quite like that before then. Either way, it was a splendid feeling to be surrounded by biological family. Did I finally belong or did I fit in? Was I only being accepted because our DNA was a match? This time we weren't the first to leave an event. Whether it was the heat and little to no shade left in the park, 
Grumbling stomachs, or all of the above, family began heading back to the hotel in anticipation of a good meal at Angelo's Steak and Pasta. Early afternoon, a few cousins were already seated in the lobby as we and other family members trickled into the banquet hall. By all accounts, this place was a favorite spot in Myrtle Beach. As several couples and other large parties waited at the bar or were escorted to a table. My partner and I each grabbed a menu to get a jump start on what we would order. Our group took up one long table of about 20 people and a smaller table of eight. At first, I was motioned to sit with Cousin Juanita and the larger group. When she noticed that there were no more seats left for my companion to sit with me, she insisted that we remain together with the smaller group. It turns out I got to spend more time with family that I hadn't been as acquainted with on Friday night and Saturday morning. Things always have a way of working out. There was a prayer led by a cousin who has been a minister for many years, followed by placing our orders one by one. My partner and I both decided on lasagna. Our wonderful waiter accommodated our large group with an unwavering smile. He was a pro at this. Through some of the challenges we gave him, between bites of pasta covered in tasty red sauce and three different cheeses, I listened to one of the elder cousins talk about where he lives now in North Carolina. I sensed that my birth mother being born in Chicago had very little Southern influence like her first cousin seated at the table around me, who never left this part of the country. I imagined Wanda, her brothers, and their parents being a part of this clan who settled on the northern way of life. Soon, forks and knives rested on places everyone seemed satisfied and content, like when your stomach is filled beyond capacity. We were only looking forward to our final event to take place in about an hour. This weekend was rapidly coming to an end. Where did the time go? It felt like the climax was moments away as we gathered in a small meeting room located in the Best Western to have what was called an annual memorial service. I wasn't sure of what to expect, but considered it would be a time to honor family members who have already made their earthly transition. I wondered what names would be read. Certainly not everyone. Too many people are no longer alive. Names were mentioned, one after another, that I had never heard before, while votive candles were lit as a symbol of their everlasting light. Then, to my surprise, these names were read aloud. Ruby Upshaw, my maternal grandmother. William Upshaw, my grandfather. Billy, my oldest uncle. Ronald, who was the first to pass in my family decades ago. And of course, Wanda, my birth mother. Time stood still and a burst of warmth enveloped me as I felt a sense of belonging here. I felt seen by everyone. I experienced acceptance. It didn't take long for me to realize that this service had been done with intentionality for at least one additional person in mind this year, me. Minister Cousins stood up and looked in my direction to say in subject and not verbatim, We have a family member here today who has found us, and she's the best one to tell her story. 
I felt a fullness well up in my chest and the emotions of joy, sadness, and profound appreciation, sometimes referred to as love, all mixed together. Would they understand my words? Was I able to utter them without falling apart? I got up from my chair and said, Thank you. I'd be happy to share a part of my story. I had not prepared for this moment, and tears began to fill my eyes as all the other sets of eyes were on no one but me. They waited intently and patiently for me to begin. I thanked my cousin for this opportunity to speak at the meeting and be recognized in this way. I felt my voice crack. I cleared my throat and hoped I could get through whatever I was about to say. I know my story, or at least more parts of it than ever before. I've shared it countless times in public and private. For some reason, I was clueless as to what words right then were going to be my choice. Would three minutes or less be appropriate? I bought some time by saying that I appreciated being invited to the family reunion and I have had a great time. Everyone nodded and smiled in unison. Until then, I hadn't focused on being without my companion in this room full of family strangers. I was alone. Over the years, I heard that you can be in a room full of people and feel alone or even lonely. Was that happening to me as I looked to my left and right and remembered that my partner had declined to attend this event? He must have known that this part of my journey needed to be traveled by myself. But why did I need to be with my family without him? I wasn't lonely, so I spoke with a slow and steady pace. In 1964, I was relinquished and in foster care for two years. I was adopted by a loving couple and had a good childhood. About 10 years ago, because of a closed system, I learned of my birth mother's name. Wanda Nell Upshaw, upon receiving my original birth certificate at the age of 48. A DNA test led me to discover all of you and be here now. I'm in a full reunion with both sides of my biological family. There, I got through it without falling apart. Exactly 30 seconds. Everyone nodded and smiled to acknowledge my words, especially Juanita. I sensed that a part of my story was a miracle to their ears. A few more traditions followed during the memorial service and a preview of next year's family reunion to be held in New Orleans, Louisiana. At the close of our time together, I went over to Juanita and gave her a big hug. She thanked me for being there. I thanked her for accepting me. As I walked back to my hotel room alone, I gave myself permission to reflect on my acceptance of everyone at the reunion and their acceptance of me. I further pondered what choice on my part had taken place this weekend. I chose authenticity and acceptance. I returned to my partner who sat on the balcony gazing toward the sea of people. He asked, how did it go? While keeping his gaze on the ocean, I responded, it went well. I was relieved that he didn't need details, nor look up to see my bloodshot eyes. I would have had to answer his question, 
What's wrong? Yes, I had cried tears of joy on my walk back to the room. I mentioned to him that he knew best by allowing me to be alone with my family. In doing so, I had learned that I had the courage and faith all along, all alone, to trust myself, to stand on solid ground side by side with strangers that I'm related to. It is a weird feeling that many adoptees describe of knowing you're a family member who has no more than a DNA history when a match is made on ancestry. Family can be an ambiguous word at times. It can mean so many things all at once. On that Sunday morning, much too early for most people to wake someone up, I went to Juanita's room to give her a copy of my memoir, The Truth So Far a detective's journey to reunite with her birth family. I wanted her to have it before I headed back on the interstate towards home. As she held the paperback in her hand, turning from the cover to the back a couple of times, then looking at me, I knew she was glad to receive it. We embraced in the dimly lit room as I felt the deep sadness on both our parts of having to partake in the hard goodbye. She promised that she was going to read my book as soon as she returned to Louisiana on the following day. I thought of her learning things she never knew about Wanda's life as her first cousin who grew up in Chicago. I considered the shame, the secrecy of my birth mother's unwed pregnancy at 16 years old during 1964, being kept from the family still living in the South. I wondered how some things I wrote in my book might unsettle or disrupt her fond memories of her Aunt Ruby and favorite Uncle William. Hopefully not too painful. Most of all, I felt that Juanita would still accept me, no matter the backstory of our family history and my being public about it. That kind of acceptance is a part of love's bigness. So now, when I look back to that glorious family reunion weekend nearly a year ago, One word comes to mind, acceptance. According to Google, the definition includes the foundation for growth and change. I can't think of a better place to start than with the acceptance of who I am, who they are, who we are, and what history we don't share as family. Going forward, I can only guess what the relationships with this part of my family is going to look like in real life. In this moment, what I do have is a good idea about what's possible for me. Attending future family reunions, receiving and making phone calls or having Zoom meetings with cousin Juanita as we get to know each other better, learning more about Louisiana culture, receiving fantastic Southern recipes, and continuing to hear more belly-laugh-producing stories about Wanda, Billy, Ronald, William, and Ruby, as if they were all in the room together with me. I shared with you a part of my takeaway with being in reunion with birth family members. The journey continues, and I'm optimistic of what's possible. We often know what's not possible, and on most days, I have come to a level of acceptance about that, too. 
I trust that wherever you are on the journey of search and reunion as an adoptee, that you will lean into self-care every step of the way. Listen to your inner voice, inner child, and intuition to guide you. Stop, start, pause, until the ground feels solid enough to keep going. Your worthiness is evident by virtue of you being here on earth. And if knowing more of your truth is your desire, it's possible by the actions you choose to take now and into the future. If you like Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow and or give a five-star rating so others can find it too. During the course of your day, I hope you will tell at least one friend or someone who you believe might find value in it because word of mouth is the best way for me to grow the show. If you seek to be an ally of the adoption community, I hope you will consider making a donation to keep the show going at patreon.com forward slash land. Your contribution allows me to present a weekly episode free of advertisement and is greatly appreciated to add a valuable resource to the adoption community. Thank you so much for being here.